Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. You taking the um, your blanket off your bed yet, Tim? No. Are you are you not dying? Have we started? Yeah. Yeah. I've still got the quilt on my bed. I, I so did I, and then last night I had to chuck it off. It was so hot. Yeah, 23 degrees today, boiling. I'm wearing, you're wearing shorts. Yeah, I got shorts <laughs> on. I came here in like a leather jacket and jeans on. That's a rookie move. Still so sweaty. Summer has started in Barcelona. <laughs> sweaty, sticky Barcelona. Hello, by the way. Welcome to another episode of Two Teas in a Pod. Two Teas. Two Teas. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good, Tim. Apart from being a bit hot. A bit hot and limping. <laughs> a little limpy. What I did you do? My, I mildly hurt myself yesterday. <laughs> what were you doing? Playing football. But yeah. you were playing football too. I played football yesterday You as didn't well. hurt yourself. Not really, I no. fell over several times. <laughs> but I don't normally fall over. I don't know what happened. No. I don't know. Anyway, um, welcome back to the podcast. We have been busy We've really been busy, busy. Doing, doing lots of things with podcasts, and we've got a really exciting episode for you today. Yeah. This episode is specifically for teachers, mainly. It's our first teacher-centered episode, because last weekend... What did we do last weekend, Katie? <laughs> well, Tim, last weekend, we went to the Innovate ELT conference, which is run by Oxford TEFL and ELT Jam, and they very kindly invited us along to do some recordings interviews with people mm-hmm. that were speaking there so we thought we'd bring you um as as teachers and innovators uh, to what teachers and innovators are we innovators yeah yeah that's so <laughs> we we're, are, innov- we're innovating we're innovators we're very innovative we thought you'd bring you bring you some of the um interviews that we did there with mm-hmm. some of the speakers at the talk yeah and if you're a learner and are listening to this you might also be interested to hear how teachers go about developing and using the materials that they do in class and what, what kind of a teaching conference involves as well. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, please feel free. Yeah. So thanks a lot to uh, Berta and Joe from ELT Jam for letting us come along, giving yeah. us a free ticket. So did you have a good time at the conference? I had a great time. I had a wonderful time. I really, really enjoyed it. It's the first kind of conference. It's a really small conference and I really enjoyed being there and it felt like it was a really big social aspect to the conference, which I had never experienced before and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think a lot of the people we spoke to in our interviews commented on uh, the differences between this conference and other conference. And like you said, it feels very social. Everybody's all mixed in together. Yeah. A lot of it's down to the setting like with the garden and oh, it's a great quite, space it's a yeah. really great space it's in oxford house barcelona and they've got a brilliant garden space out the back which was really beautiful and it was sunny for most of the day but it started raining later on mm-hmm. but really really brilliant setting you went there it was over two days on friday and saturday yeah and i couldn't make it on the friday but you went what was what, what happened there what was the friday night vibe well the friday night they had like opening plenaries um, and they de- deliver their plenaries from, when it's not raining, they deliver their plenaries from the top of the wall in the garden with no slides, no one's allowed PowerPoints or anything, so it's just little short 20-minute talks, and you have to stand on the top of this wall um, and give them. Um, I, I couldn't do it because I'm scared of heights, and Scott Thornbury said the same thing. 
Um, and Friday night was good because after the talks, it was free beer and vermouth. And then networking time where we had like a quiz. So everybody, when you came in, everybody was given a, a number on their little ID card. And then they said, well, look at the number on your ID card and go to the corresponding room. And then that was how they grouped everybody to do a little introductory quiz. So while you were drinking your lovely um, craft beer or your vermouth, we were put in teams and did the quiz. And in our team, there was Sean Sweeney and Scott Thornbury. So two big two names. Two people that we interviewed yeah. the next day. And they're two speakers at the conference. So it was like all the attendees and all the speakers were all mixed together. So it wasn't like this sort of, you know, them on the pedestal. It was everybody mixing together and um, having a really nice, relaxed, fun time. Yeah, it really broke the ice as well. Yeah, definitely. We met. Oh, I met lots of people on the Friday that we then interviewed on the Saturday. And I think they said that what some of the reasons they do that is sometimes when people go to a conference, it might be the first time at a conference, they don't know anyone. It can be a bit daunting. You feel a bit awkward. So the Friday night they do that to... So that on the Saturday, everybody at least has met someone, knows someone. Yeah. Then go, hey, yeah. hey, I know you from last night. Yeah. So it was really nice. And you come in with a bit more confidence. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and also, I really liked how uh, when I came on Saturday to register, there was a whole table of stickers. It was great. I don't think you know, Tim, but I love stickers. I yeah. have a thing about stickers. You could decorate your, your badge, name badge for stickers. I decorated mine. I put a lot of stickers mm. on my name badge. So did everyone. I got a lovely tractor sticker on mine. <laughs> tractor. Yeah, it was good. I got a bike. So. Um, anyway, I, I, I really enjoyed it as well for mm-hmm. exactly the same reasons. And I really, really also appreciated how much, and this sounds like a really small thing, but it is actually very important, how much coffee and, and snacks and nibbles were around in the breaks. I think that was really important. That was a really mm-hmm. important part of the networking as well. Yeah, it's quite good. I always love free coffee and snacks, and, and then, then more free booze at the end as well. Yeah, more. Free, you might That's hear right. that in the final, in the final interview with Melody. We'd had a couple of moves. Oh, well, not maybe one. I'd had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> you look forward to Tim being a little bit tipsy. Um, so we also talked to Joe Sayer, who's one of the organisers of the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice chat. Really nice guy. Yeah. He's uh, so he's one of the organizers of the conference. He's also one of the head honchos at ELT Jam, mm-hmm. who's one of the organizers. And he, we talked to him a little bit about his background and uh, about the conference itself, and also about the theme of this year's conference, mm-hmm. which was fun versus suffering. Well, fun and like fun. questioning the the role of fun, fun's role in uh, in the classroom. Yeah. Do we do, do we, need- we need fun? Yeah. Do we need the classes to be fun all the time? Yeah. Or, um, well, he goes into a bit saying that language learning is difficult and language learning needs application and effort. And sometimes exactly. it can't always be fun. So, yeah, some really interesting talks mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. That plenary speaker on the Saturday morning, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It really Sarah made me question, question the relevance of a lot of the activities I do in class, mm-hmm. the pedagogical relevance. Exactly. So we're, there's more, more on that to come uh, for the moment. Yeah. So let's, we talk, let's hear our conversation we have with Joe Sayer. Perfect. B-O-X-B-O-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-B-
from ELT Jam at the Innovate Conference. Uh, yeah, Innovate ELT Conference. Innovate ELT, yeah. So, Joe, just um, tell us who you are and what you do at ELT Jam. Okay, so yeah, my name's Joe, Joe Sayers. Um, I'm a director at ELT Jam. I was a teacher, uh, an ELT teacher in Istanbul for a few years, and then I taught in London for a little bit, and then moved and uh, taught in Malta. Uh, and then from teaching, I kind of moved into syllabus design and materials writing, and then uh, got a job kind of randomly uh, doing an e-learning project for a language school chain. And then that started my focus, sort of more uh, specific focus, I guess, on, on technology. Um, and yeah, so I've been working since then in the kind of more tech side of English language teaching and education. So at ELT Jam, we help organizations to uh, build digital learning products, so I focus mostly on, on that side of things. Okay, um, and how long has ELT Jam been running? Uh, we've been going for uh, five years now, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we're, should I talk a little bit about ELT yeah. Jam? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we describe ourselves as a consultancy and digital agency for education, but uh, mostly work in English language teaching. Um, and we have a, a kind of a approach to being more learner-centered in, in terms of product development. So we work with publishers and startups to help them make digital products that are more learner-centered and focused on the actual problems that learners have and solving those problems with technology, um, rather than sort of technology-leading things or the business-leading things, how can we actually be more, uh, more aware of learner problems and then sort of figure out the best ways to solve them for learners. Um, and yeah, as I said, we mostly do that in English language teaching space, but increasingly we do work outside of VLT, like in maths education or uh, in other languages education, and sometimes even outside of standard education space, actually. Like we did a project recently helping people understand contracts better, so kind of putting an educational layer onto contracts to help people kind of understand the implications of them. Um, yeah, so very firmly kind of rooted in ELT, but actually do a variety of other stuff okay. as well. Branching out into various different areas as well. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been doing the Innovate Conference? So the Innovate Conference is, this is its fourth year. So, uh, yeah, yeah, four years now. <laughs> How's it halfway through? I guess we can say four years. Yeah. And you've got a partnership with uh, Oxford House to put the conference on, but the conference is run by ELT Jam, or it's kind of a partnership. It's a partnership, yeah, yeah, completely. So okay. um, the, uh, the event was kind of conceptualized because um, uh, Nick Robinson from ELT Jam and, and Duncan Ford from Oxford House uh, were, have been friends for a long time and we all, uh, maybe separately, but uh, equally were frustrated with the kind of um, the fairly standard approach that we felt there was to ELT conferences. Um, we thought that, I mean obviously there were exceptions to this, but as a rule we felt that uh, the, the kind of conference scene didn't necessarily discuss innovation as much as it could do. There weren't enough talks around innovative practice and especially from our side, from ELT Jam side, we, we felt there wasn't enough discussion around technology. Mm. Um, and also there wasn't really much um, innovation in terms of the actual conference theme and format. So it was fairly standard approach. It was in a big space and you'd go into little rooms and you kind of didn't necessarily have opportunities to interact with each other and there wasn't really a particularly like social element to a lot of them. Um, so we thought let's try and do something small and something different and call it Innovate ELT because we wanted to talk about innovation but also innovate the actual format of the event. Um, so yeah, that's how it was, how it was born. Okay. 
And how have you done that? Have you made it different from other conferences? How do you include that social element or that? Uh, well, the space helps a lot. So we've got a lovely space that we're sat in right now, um, which is the uh, Oxford House School in, in Barcelona. And, um, yeah, it's got a lovely big garden, which facilitates a lot of the social element of it. Um, but another couple of things, we've got a manifesto of sort of things that we wanted uh, the conference to do or how we wanted it to be different. And a, one big part of that was involving learners. Mm-hmm. And we felt that, you know, there's all these conferences that you go to where teachers talk about learning, but there aren't any learners present. And we thought, you know, being a functioning school that we're in, it's an important thing for us to include. So there are demo lessons where learners actually sit in the lessons, but there are also learners about and, um, you know, opportunities to ask people about what, what mm-hmm. they think of things and, you know, try things out with them in these demo classes. Uh, so that's a kind of important part. And I think even if not all of the sessions have learners in them, the kind of keeping the learners at the, at the centre of that kind of thought process is quite an important part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, other innovative things, uh, there's kind of a, a healthy balance between, or what we think of as a healthy balance between the kind of input and uh, educational elements and then the kind of fun, like, uh, you know, dinners and drinks and food and party and music and quizzes and stuff like that so um, also we felt that some people come to conferences and don't know anybody and that could be a bit of a daunting thing and we wanted to make sure that people immediately know some others here Mm -hmm. so there's a group activity on the Friday night where you're put into groups and you get to know each other a little bit and then from that uh, hopefully you've made some friends and actually the first year we ever did that um, somebody won a prize at the end we were giving an iPad away we're not doing that this year <laughs> but um, we gave an iPad away and the person who won it actually came and she was so pleased to win it and she said um, this was great because I came here and I didn't know anybody and I walked in I thought oh this is a bit daunting but then I was put in groups and I got to know these people and I've met people here that I think I'll be friends with like forever and it was just a really lovely thing to see and, and it made us sort of yeah that's the whole point yeah, yeah whole it point. is a bit really yeah I definitely got that vibe last night yeah on the Friday night of Everybody all thrown in together, all speakers, attendees, everyone. Mm. Very easy to chat people, very easy, good for networking and mm. well, not just networking, making friends. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and then you put, put names to faces of people you know from social media or whatever and, and you know, changes the dynamic a lot, you just think. Oh, yeah. Someone who maybe you've looked up to a lot, you think, oh, it's just a person just another guy. Group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that is quite nice. Is I think, you know, because it is quite small, um, you can, there isn't that kind of hierarchy or yeah. like, you know, there's mm-hmm. no need to, <laughs> yeah, we can all just kind of just be here together and mm-hmm. having a nice time and sharing from, because also you speak, so speak to, um, so, uh, you know, one of our sponsors, um, I'm not going <laughs> to specifically name, I guess, but um, said um, that it was just really nice because, you know, for, for him in the work that he does, uh, it doesn't actually get an opportunity to speak to teachers that often. Yeah. So this is great. Like, come and just speak to all these super user teachers and, mm-hmm. like, you know, they learn a lot from the sort of thing that he's doing and he learns a lot from them. And so it's nice yeah. to have everybody there sharing their experience. The circle of life. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The ELT, sing, go on. <laughs> Um, what about the tell us about the theme of the conference yeah so the theme this year uh, well the, the first year the theme was just on innovation mm-hmm. uh, and then we realised that we can't kind of just have a theme of innovation every year so we've, we've themed it so the first year was, a, was power to the teacher sorry the second year was power to the teacher and then we did power to the learner and then this year we thought um, oh, what do we you know we kind of had a bit of a discussion around it and we wanted something which would kind of be in keeping with the conference but be you know, have enough depth to it that there could be a lot of kind of interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. And we thought that fun 
so the theme is fun and the role of fun and the balance between sort of um, struggle and fun in ELT. Um, and actually maybe, I think a lot of people didn't, were, were attracted to the, to the word fun and thought, oh, that's quite nice. But actually there's a whole kind of subtext to it, which is that it's not just, it's not, a, it's not necessarily pro-fun, it's discussing how we think of fun in ELT and how we think of fun as teachers and the role that that plays. And in some cases the role it maybe shouldn't play but does. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's the whole thing with demand high teaching of um, the communicative approach kind of having painted itself into like a corner, I think is the phrase they use, of like everything needing to be fun and, every, mm -hmm. you know, lowering the effective filter, making sure everybody's having a nice time, whereas actually is that conducive or uh, is that optimizing the sort of, yeah, or, or maximizing the potential for learning? And in some cases, I think probably not. Yeah. Um, so the idea is let's talk about fun and how fun can be used, but also let's talk about when fun shouldn't be used be. and how actually there should be some struggle and some challenge and how we can get that balance right and how learners can also see the benefit of the challenge and the struggle and the hard work. and Because um, yeah, it's so. not easy learning a language. Yeah. It's like sometimes yeah. you've got to put in the hard graft and graph. we can't just be playing games the whole time and and as Sarah Priestley said in her plenary this morning you know like if we focus on fun we do learn as a little bit of a disservice because actually learning is challenging and quite often it's not that learners complain about like not having had enough fun that like, I'm not making enough progress and yeah. so maybe if we just make everything kind of nice and easy for them then actually we're, we're not giving them the best shot at achieving yeah. their goals mm -hmm. and surely achieving your goals should be rewarding and in that way yeah fun we can say or you know it gives you a deeper it's feeling of satisfaction, satisfaction. Yeah. like you've set you've got achieved what you set out to achieve yeah it's yeah and there's that to have a good time yeah and that whole thing of flow state as well the mihai chiksent mihai that idea of um that actually the, the if you get that level of challenge right the challenge itself can be um empowering and and mm -hmm. and fun you know yeah. it doesn't have to be a kind of conventional uh you, you know, distractive type of fun. It mm -hmm. can actually be that you get that sense of pleasure and joy and satisfaction from working hard and committing to something and then seeing the benefits of that and seeing you mm -hmm. moving towards your goals. And obviously if things are too challenging, then that you don't get into that state. Mm -hmm. And if things are too easy, you don't get into that mm -hmm. state. But if you can get that balance right, then you can kind of make things enjoyable, but also more effective. So that's yeah, kind, of kind of level, level up status. Mm. Yeah. Achievement. Yeah. Unlocked. It teaches you more, not just about language as well. It teaches you... Um, a lot about yourself, no? If you can reach that state and achieve those goals and say, oh, I am making progress and I'm enjoying getting satisfaction out of this, you're more likely to keep trying to, looking to get into that state in other other areas, not just in language learning mm. as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, change the subject completely. How's the conference going so far? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. Really good this year. Um, we've managed not to have any rain. Um, <laughs> Knock on wood. Yep. So I think there is rain forecast, but for later on today. Um, and we've got a plan B for rain. It's all fine, but it's nice that it's not raining. Um, so yeah, good. Um, I think, you know, by the time it's got to the fourth year, it feels like things are kind of settled in a little bit and, you know, we, we've kind of got our processes in place. But, um, but at the same time, you always have new things happen. Like, you know, suddenly you realize this morning that somebody hadn't been allocated to catering. So it was 9.30 and none of the food was out and then you got to run around and get it all out in time. But... Um, 
there's always things like that. But yeah, it's going really nicely. Small things. Small things, yeah. It's going really nicely. Everyone seems to be having a good no time. No one's noticed that, by the way. Really? Yeah. No, no, okay. no one noticed that. <laughs> no one noticed. It's one of those things that maybe no, as, as, an org- as an organising group we kind of are aware of. But actually, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, good. And I think the talks, the talks that I've popped into have been really good and really good quality. And um, yeah, everyone seems happy so far. How do you think the conference is going? Great, we're enjoying Great. it. I yeah. really like the relaxed atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's very open and feel very, very, everyone's very approachable. I really yeah. appreciate that. Nice. Enjoying it. And oh, I like... Good. I like the uh, coffee on tap. Yeah, yeah it's good. Happy, happy so that. actually, we realised that after maybe the first year, like that's really <laughs> converted loads of effort into all of the talks and the scheduling. But people really love coffee. Yeah, yeah they, they love coffee. coffee with a bit of cake. <laughs> yeah, and Perfect. and people really moan about conferences where they don't get the food. Oh right my gosh! There, so like. we did one in London. We also do um, so innovate. ELT is part of the Innovate Events umbrella, so we do other events with, with a kind of Innovate name. So we did an Innovate EdTech event yeah. in London mm-hmm. last year, uh, and that was just the ELT jam actually because uh, that's kind of our focus. So we did that, and um, we provided lunch, um, unlike here where people go out to local places for lunch. Um, and we had coffee all through the day, but we didn't think to have coffee after lunch break. And honestly, some people just left the conference. That was it. They were like, gone. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's a break. Yeah. And they're so they back. came, they had their lunch. There was no coffee. And they're like, right, they went around the corner to get coffee. I and mean, we lost probably like 20 people. To not <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the EdTech crowd for you. Hooked <laughs> okay. in the coffee. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, lots of coffee here. Mm-hmm. Another curveball. Okay. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give to yourself as a novice teacher? Um, okay. Well, actually, one thing I was pleased I did do, <laughs> rather than a bit of advice for something I didn't do, I was pleased that I started doing some teaching before I did my CELTA. Oh, really? Which, actually, I don't know if it was very... Maybe I feel a bit sorry for my learners, because I was kind of thrown in at the deep end by my language school, and it was a definitely, like, native speaker preference that really shouldn't have been there but mm-hmm. I got given that job without any teaching experience mm-hmm. um, did you even know where to start well I got a tiny bit of kind of on the job training but not really and I was and I was well out of my depth um, and I did that for six months and actually I didn't really enjoy teaching and I said to myself right I'll do CELTA and if I still don't enjoy teaching I need to find something else to do but doing CELTA after six months meant I already had a good understanding of like I felt comfortable in the classroom or more comfortable at least I had a good understanding of like grammar which I had no comprehension yeah. of at all when I started as a person who didn't explicitly learn grammar that's something at school. that I would I would say like for novice teachers make sure you know teaching yeah. just go in blind actually okay yeah I'll ch- that that would be so actually I would say talking that story through I wouldn't advise putting um, I think it's unfair that um, it was unfair on my students that they had to mm-hmm. be subjected to me as a non-qualified <laughs> teacher and it was definitely uh, is something that shouldn't exist in our profession that a native speaker teacher with no experience at all can just walk into yeah. a job and I think you know the less of that we have in, in, in our industry the better yeah. so I wouldn't advise that but I do think that I benefited a lot from feeling confident in a class anything that you can do to get yourself to that point maybe Before, working as a teacher's yeah. assistant or like doing some kind of something that you are like some voluntary teaching of something that you are qualified to do or that doesn't require a specific qualification or, or whatever that that might be a good bit of practice for the kind of presenting element of teaching and then also yeah, yeah just if you if you didn't learn grammar explicitly then do a grammar course yeah. I don't know like yeah, school yourself yeah, up I bought a couple of books I remember after my interview Ah, really? With International House Barcelona. 
the person who interviewed me was like, um, just get some grammar books. Just yeah. have a read through. Mm. I didn't know what like present perfect was. No, I, 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 really I had no does, idea. I thought, I was like, oh, verb, that's a doing word. Isn't yeah, verb is a doing word. Adjectives are describing word. That was about it. But yeah, it's weird to think that we didn't ever have to do, have to sort of learn that at school. And I, I think now at school, kids don't either. I think no, no. I don't think that's changed. Mm. I wonder if they might bring it back. I don't know. I think they did for my own. For learning other languages. Yeah, yeah. definitely, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that might be my advice. Um, also, like, as, as a novice teacher, well, I don't know, I enjoyed a lot more teaching outside of the UK than I enjoy teaching in the UK. Yeah. So I like, use it as an opportunity to go and see some of the world and, like, explore mm. some places because... Mm-hmm. Um, you get to know some people. Yeah, you get so to true. know your students quite well, don't yeah. you? Yeah, and a bit about the you. country that you're mm-hmm. working in. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that I'm like a lot of the things I enjoy about my life now came from the living abroad and the teaching when I was just starting out. So yeah, maybe sort of take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Although that's maybe why people come to teaching in the first place. Yeah. But, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks very much. Well, thanks a lot, Joe. Yeah, no worries. It's really good. Okay, we'll enjoy um, the rest of your conference time. We will. Thank, thank you very you much too. for all your hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I look stressed. I looked stressed again. earlier, definitely. I think <laughs> I, do. I, I look a bit less stressed. <laughs> okay, thanks Brilliant. very much. Thanks a lot. Two teas in a pod. Yeah. That was our conversation with Joe Sayers at the Innovate ELT conference. I have been informed that I said Joe Sayer before, and it's Joe Sayers with an S. Sorry, Joe. I apologise. Next up, we've got... Scott Thornbury. Oh, yeah. So we spoke to Scott in the lovely sunny garden at the conference. Um, Scott Thornbury is a teacher, author, teacher trainer, all-round Tefl God. (laughs) He's written some amazing books, um, given some really inspiring talks, uh, me and Katie have both quoted him in multiple essays multiple we've times. done. I um, really know how to spell Thornbury. Yeah. And I know the date that all of his books are written. From all the referencing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just want to thank Sh- uh, Scott for taking the time to speak to us. Yeah. Cause, and he was a really lovely guy. And, you know, we were a bit scared because he's very, very famous. And Yeah, but he was really nice and open and chatty. And put us at ease. Definitely. He did. He really yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pleasure to speak to him. Definitely. So, roll the interview. Hello. So we're talking to uh, Scott Thornbury. We're at the Innovate ELT conference. Um, hi, Scott. How are you doing? Hi, Tim. I'm doing pretty good. Um, what's your impression of the conference? Well, great. I mean, uh, I've already had food for thought, both in the opening plenaries and the one session that I've been to already. And the program looks great. And I like the, the theme. I think it's a generative one. This notion of fun, what is fun, is it good for us uh, as learners and teachers and teacher trainers? Um, it's a conference that's different from the run of conferences that I usually go to. It's less, it's more informal, relaxed, uh, has some interesting, innovative uh, ways of structuring the way people come together and talk about things. Uh, and... It has this fabulous garden that we're sitting in at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. <laughs> Especially the sun's out now. It was yeah. supposed to be raining. But... Okay. And I understand you're giving two talks. Yes. Well, I'm giving two. Uh, I was originally asked to give one twice because um, uh, I 
well, I was originally asked to do a plenary talk, and I, I'm a bit nervous about standing on that wall. So I said, no, I'll do it in the classroom. And they said, well, can you do it twice? And I said, well, I'd rather do the same, take the same theme, but do two talks on the same theme, one kind of pro-fun, if you like, and one anti-fun. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. And so I've got half an hour to kind of argue that we need more fun, engagement, whatever you want to call it, in uh, language teaching, and half an hour to argue the opposite. Okay. <laughs> Your own devil's advocate. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. Fun, and yeah. the trick is that when people come in, they won't know which is which uh. until I tell them. But I mean, I won't know either. We're just going to toss a coin and I'll do either pro or anti. <laughs> Sounds good. Brilliant. Okay. All um, right. If you could go back in time and give any piece of advice to your former teacher self, your novice teacher, what would it be? Um, I think I would say, and I've said this to people, uh, my nephew, for example, who's just started or not just, but recently started teaching, is get into the classroom and learn a second language. You know, put yourself in the passenger seat, uh, find out what it's like again uh, to, to be a student, and uh, not just one lesson or two, but over a sustained period of time if you can. I think that's, you learn so much from that. I, I did that recently uh, in an attempt to uh, kickstart my fossilized Spanish. I went back into the classroom for an intensive two weeks of Spanish, and it was really, really interesting. And um, What did you learn? Well, I learned, well, first of all, I learned that I had a whole lot of fossilized mistakes that I didn't, nobody told me about. Yeah. Um, I also learned that um, that classes, that students, uh, they're a kind of like an organism, and it, it takes a little bit of time, but uh, ideally, the students kind of coalesce, and their agenda, if they're adults particularly, their agenda drives them if they if they see that they agree more or less on what their needs are and if the teacher is remotely sensitive to that fact then the learners really can drive the direction of the lessons even if there's a course book uh but that's what we did we sort of you know we took the lessons where we wanted to go and uh that was kind of interesting to see that happening that sort of dynamic emerge and take over okay and um, and the, did the teacher know uh, about your <laughs> no, books that you've not, written? No, I kept it all very quiet and yeah. uh, uh, it did get out eventually, uh, but um, the teacher took it in good humour. That's good. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for talking to us, Scott. Pleasure. It's really Pleasure. It's been nice. Insightful. Reminiscing. Thank you. Brilliant. <laughs> What a nice interview with Scott. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely man. And that was in the sunny part of the day. Yeah. In the garden. Next up, we have Dirk Lagerwaard. Mm, you know how to pronounce his name properly. I do. I'd say Lagerwaard. <laughs> but he said that he quite liked it when people pronounce it, like, anglicised. Yeah, Lagerwaard. Yeah. Lagerwaard. How come you can say it correctly? I lived in Holland for a time, in the Netherlands. Good. That's for another podcast. So Dirk is a teacher and a researcher at Pompeo Fabra University here in Barcelona. Um, he gave a talk earlier in the day. Uh, he just finished his talk, I think, when we spoke to him. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very interesting talk about uh, helping well teenage students 
find their agency and find their uh, the pursuit of their true self-expression so rather than focusing on um like pre-chosen content by the teacher it's helping them uh, find their identity in english and express say express what they want to say express what they really want to say chunks exactly um he uh did a very interesting experiment which he talks about where he got uh the teachers to skype his brother but first of all they had to um prepare for the interview by thinking about what they would do in that situation so they were visualizing um what they wanted to say and how they would say it in the native language in the native language before they then did it in english for real um so that's very interesting experiment it was great um he's a bit of a he's also got a if you'd like to hear more from him he's got uh video blogs that he does with uh other teacher trainers teachers uh researchers uh practitioners such as scott thornbury who we just spoke to we just listened to um melody phillip has also recorded one um for the series and a whole host of other interesting people and talking very about very interesting they are too i highly recommend them so roll the interview with dirk so we're talking to dirk lagerwald at the innovate elt conference um he's just just come out of his talk um what are you are you enjoying yourself here what's your impression of the conference dirk oh yeah no having a great time uh, i love the innovate conference um, it was the first conference i attended to basically 2 years ago and it really encouraged me to start carrying out a, a PhD. A lot of nice people, not only teachers, also researchers, uh, people who are willing to engage and help each other improve. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm definitely yeah. getting that vibe. Yeah. Um, Can you, so you've just given a talk. Right. Can you just describe briefly what your talk was about and what the attendees will take away from it? Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, well, the whole conference is about this idea of fun. Um, I think we have to be very careful with this idea of fun. So in my talk, I basically talked about whether we should be talking about fun or whether it is meaningful for the students. Um, Because as soon as it becomes meaningful for the students, that's when there is true engagement. And my talk was basically about this idea of instead of trying to make learning meaningful for the students by meaning of textbooks or new technical devices, or real-life contexts that instead of making it meaningful for them, we give them freedom to make it meaningful for themselves and look for their own unique ways to generally express themselves in the English language, which is, in my opinion, why we learn a language, mm-hmm. yeah. to find ways to express ourselves in our own unique way. And finding your own identity with another language as well it can be quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah, but it is something we should not take for granted because I think at many schools we focus too much on accomplishing the goals of a textbook whereas I think we can still cover these goals but at the same time look for ways to find our own just like you mentioned our own identity Um, and that's a process obviously and that takes time but it's always good to make sure you plan the unplanned so you promote moments in the classroom where they can figure out how to express themselves in their own unique way. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So what are some of the practical ideas that you've used to promote uh, identity and agency with your with your groups, with your research group? Right, that's a, that's a really good question, yeah. Um, for those who are listening and are not really sure about what agency is, I consider agency to be the pursuit of true self-expression. 
um, meaning that in the classroom I look for ways by means of collaborative practices I try to promote genuine um, use of the language which is unplanned so I would look for ways in which they can actually plan part of the activity but at the same time use their language or the language in their own unique way so in order to give an example um, I would or I arranged for my research group uh, for my PhD project I called my brother who lives in Denmark and I prepared my students uh, to carry out an interview with my brother now um, in order to prepare the students instead of saying how interviews are done I would ask in class how do you think interviews are done and so students first think for themselves then pair up and then come with ideas in an open class discussion on how actually to carry out an interview and together we would make a structure so we would come to things like oh maybe you would greet the person you would thank him for his time you would then introduce the questions and so after we have come up with several points I let them think about how they would say that um, emphasizing on how would you say yeah. that so I provide them with a table in which we have the points of how would you greet my brother how would you introduce the questions how would you but it's all about how would you um, they can do this even in their mother tongue first Spanish or Catalan to make sure that they get their own message through mm -hmm. um, and then they turn this into English so that makes part of the interview planned but you cannot plan obviously genuine language creations so as they carry out the interview they have already oriented themselves so they know where exactly they are they know the things they want to say but within this security they will feel comfortable and free enough to actually speak in their own unique way yeah for example the the girl from my talk her name was maria and one of her questions was for my brother uh, who is the most handsome of you two um, and then as soon as my brother said me and me saying you are a liar she or she continued our discussion by saying I believe you saying I believe you to my brother which was the sad point um, but but that's what it's all about orienting yourself and trying to dare create with the language in your own unique way and that's something we often take for granted and we shouldn't do that yeah because that like emerged from her reaction to this situation and she felt comfortable enough because she had the scaffolding in place before to express herself in that moment yeah, exactly like immediately in the moment exactly yeah no you 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 want your students to orient themselves yeah. um, and then with the language that they know um, create um, yeah. and her level was not that high at the beginning but uh, she was still able to get her message across <laughs> and in the video you can actually see it takes her six to eight seconds to actually say I believe you you see that she's really willing to express herself yeah yeah it was really really nice moment thanks um, so the last question the million dollar question right. if you could go back in time what advice would you give to your novice teacher self <laughs> right okay um, so I would I would tell myself to keep on going um, because from the moment I started to teach um, it was as if I had really found my purpose and I still think so um, and of course as you teach um, there are always lessons that will go very well and lessons that you're like well um, that did not go so well uh, but it's it's all about what do you do with these lessons especially the ones where the things do not go as you have planned 
um, and in the beginning I, I spent a lot of time analyzing my lessons by means of a teaching diary and as soon as I did not found that to be enough I started doing the PhD and of course uh, times can be tough as teachers and, and, and that's okay um, it's as soon as you come to terms with that and you understand that a great teacher never stops learning that's where you really can find peace with yourself in the classroom because it's all about continuous development of yourself mm -hmm. and uh, and don't take for granted that experience is measured by years because um, I know a lot of teachers who have been teaching for years and well <laughs> you know I think you won the million dollars that's a great answer to the million dollar question thank you yeah. very much I appreciate that I think you did a good job you've got a blog is that right yeah, well, it's a it's a vlog actually. A vlog. Um, so, I've, I started this vlog basically um, this course here. Um, it's called Novelties: The Life of a Teacher Researcher. A little bit of wordplay with the ELT novelties right there. Um, <laughs> That's good. And well, what I do in that vlog basically is engage with teachers from all over the world. And um, as I reflect on my practice, I also analyze the research with people. And so it's where. I try to bridge the gap between theory and practice, and I interview experts like uh, Scott Thornbury, Mark Hancock, Kieran Donaghy, a um, lot of people who are really engaged in the ELT world, and also researchers to share their opinion on ideas that I have. Um, so that's a really good tool for me at the same time uh, throughout my PhD, because mm -hmm. as I was implementing or as I was carrying out my research approach, which is um, what, what, or my my research, which is based on uh, an approach that I developed myself, all the doubts that emerged, I could ask that online, mm -hmm. and I could ask that to experts, and so I would interview experts and at the same time engage people from all over the world to reflect on the doubts that I had, which yeah. are obviously doubts that they have as well. Brilliant. Okay, and where can our listeners find your vlog? You can find me on Facebook, Novelties Vlog, Instagram at The Teacher Researcher, on Twitter uh, at Dirk Lagwaard. I hope you can <laughs> read my name somewhere. Um, and uh, let's see, oh, on the YouTube channel, obviously. Um, the teacher researcher as well. Brilliant. Well, we'll put all of this, uh, all the addresses into the description for the episode. Thank you so very you much. So you can check it out there. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot for talking to us, Doug. It was, it was really great. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem. <laughs> okay. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Cheers. You too. That was Dirk Lagerwaard speaking to us at the conference again. All of these people spoke to us at the conference. I don't need to tell you that again. I've yep. said it several times. It was still sunny at that time it as well. It was still sunny also in the garden. Okay. So what's up next? Next, we have got Sean Sweeney, who I went to see. Uh, he was doing a, a talk at the conference and it was very interesting. He had, it was a talk on, I should probably talk about who he is. He is a teacher and teacher trainer and also a blogger, and does has a blog called teacherdevelopmentlab.wordpress.com. And as I said, he was doing a, a talk at the conference that I went to watch, and he had, and one of the things that makes Innovate quite interesting is that they have learners present at the conference as well. So he did like a demo class mm -hmm. um, for teachers. So there's maybe 15 teachers in the room observing, and then maybe 10 learners at the front. 
and it was uh, based on listening and developing listening skills and focusing on word chunks and clusters and sound mm-hmm. clusters in particular. So the way that he dealt with that was very interesting. Um, and I, he's got um, the procedure for that's on his blog, uh, the Teacher Development Lab as well. So if you're interested in seeing how that worked, uh, I'd highly recommend that too. It was a good talk, and we had we interviewed him also in the garden. Mm-hmm. Just after lunch. Just after the lunch. There's a bit of crunchy gravel noises around, but yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, people were also having lunch around us, so it's a bit loud. But, but it's fine. It's fine. You know, apologies for what they say. Roll the interview. Yeah. Now we're talking to Sean Sweeney at the Innovate ELT conference in the beautiful back garden. Hello. It's starting to rain, isn't it? It's a little bit. Okay, quick. Uh, so can you just tell us who you are, Sean? Hi, I'm Sean Sweeney. I'm a teacher and a teacher trainer based here in Barcelona. And you've given a talk here today. That's right. Um, uh, it was a talk with learners, kind of um, a bit of a lesson and then a, a, a chat. Um, and it was based around developing listening skills. And what's your impression of the conference so far? I'm enjoying it, uh, especially now I've finished my session and I don't have to worry so much. Um, I've been here uh, a couple of times before, actually, and uh, it's always a, a great conference. Uh, one thing that Duncan, one of the organisers, said at the beginning was he's putting the confer back into conference, and I thought that was a nice way of sort of describing it. There's a lot more, I think, interaction here than yeah. at some conferences. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, here we are interacting. Exactly. interacting. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because we're doing the podcast, but like I'm speaking to loads of yeah. people. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fairly typical. Yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of people chatting about key issues of the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about your talk that you did earlier. Okay, so it's something that I've been interested in um, for a while, and it's really looking at listening um, and what's wrong with how listening is is often taught and how I used to teach it, I suppose, um, in that a lot of the time, course materials look at using listening texts in order to carry language, vocabulary and grammar, which I also think is a great idea. However, it overlooks the fact that it doesn't help people get any better at the, the, the dirty business of listening, shall we say. So it was sort of informed by people like John Field and Richard Cordwell, Sheila Thorne, um, looking at using authentic texts and looking at the more bottom-up uh, decoding aspects of listening. Okay. And what do you think would have been one thing that you would have wanted? Well, I attended your... <laughs> I attended it. What would you have wanted? <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you want your attendees to take away from it? Uh, not the headphones. Uh, <laughs> did they? No, they didn't. No, I forgot to give them out. Um, so I would like them to, I don't know, take away just uh, some something to think about, I suppose. And if it's something that's brand new, hopefully there's some concrete ideas that, that can be tried out. That's why I wanted to do um, the lesson rather than a talk. I've done a few talks on this before, but I think it's important to kind of show examples and, you know, put my money where my mouth is a little bit. Um, so I was kind of pleased to get through some of the activities that I planned and hopefully some of those can be applied by the attendees. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to use that, um, the, where you read out the, um, you read out the piece of speech or whatever. Right. And got them to circle that or add it into the table. Oh, that was a little post-listening uh, follow-up, wasn't it? A sort yeah. of dictation activity. Yeah, I've, I've used a, um, a few sort of variants on that with classes before. Um, I think I put on the handout, you know, you can turn that into a little battleships or a Connect Four or Tic Tac Toe kind of yeah. kind of thing. But um, but yeah, li- little sort of multi-word clusters, 
high frequency with features of connected speech that were always worth focusing on. Uh, the next to me was listening. writing down what you were saying. Okay. <laughs> and you said, and he was. And he was. Yeah. And she wrote down, Annie was. <laughs> well, probably because the, the uh, you know, it's revealing as well when, when, uh, when people write that down because that's, you know, the, the sound signal, the speech stream, shall we say, is consistent with either of those possibilities, whether it's and he was or and he was, uh, you know. So, yeah, she's, she's quite right to write that down, shall we say, in a, in a sense. So, and uh, what are we calling it? The million dollar yeah. question. Well, you called it that. I, called I it called that. it that. That's what it's called it. now. Um, <laughs> if you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you give to your novice teacher self? To the novice teacher self? Um, I try and remind myself of this whenever I, I speak to novice teachers, I suppose, is to try and remember what it feels like to really, I don't know, go in. Um, oh, oh, oh so the million dollar question um if you could go back in time what piece of advice would you give to your novice teacher self um so i, I have to try and remind myself what it feels like to be a novice um when we're doing teacher training courses and i think it's really important and i remember being terrified of just talking to students and not having any material you know not having a handout not having a book to go on and when I realized that they're just people <laughs> with things to say and who just want to and you know they have things to say and they just need you to help them with the language and that made my job a lot easier and I think um, is that advice I'd say yeah just try and remember they're just people trying to say stuff <laughs> I think that's really good advice. Okay, yeah. just, saying, so. Students are people too. <laughs> yeah yeah there we go that could be a little uh, t-shirt or a mug uh, yeah. We could sell. I don't. I can be, they could sell <laughs> the next as the next slogan of the next innovate ELT. There we go. Why not? <laughs> right. I think. Thanks very much, Sean. That was uh, great. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Tim. Uh, pleasure. So next on the list, we've got uh, a lovely interview we did with Ollie Wood and Mary Whiteside. Um, at this point, we'd moved inside because I think the weather had taken a turn for the worse. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we spoke to Ollie Woods and Mary Whiteside. So Ollie Woods is a teacher and teacher trainer based in Italy. Uh, he gave a talk that I went to earlier in the day about using video games in the classroom, um, and the challenges of using them, but also the benefits, um, some of the things that students get out of them, like having to solve problems and doing like collaborative work. He gave the example of the game Assassin's Creed. So there's a part where you have to follow a non-player character and listen in on what they're saying and pick up clues from their t from what they're saying. So it's like good opportunity for um, some really engaging listening work that then is needed to complete the game afterwards. Yeah, and Mary Whiteside was doing a kind of you know kind of the practical version of of that. She works in um, game-based learning as well and she uh, is working with Cambridge at the moment developing games uh, for learners there's one that me and Tim tried out we mm -hmm. were testing called the lighthouse which was really interesting um, like a point and click kind of puzzle based yeah. game and you had to listen to instructions and, and solve puzzles and things so it was a really interesting thing um, I'd be I'd be yeah. interested in using that in class because that was one we tried was like for a, an, like an assessment game so they did like the point and click, oh, like true. Monkey Island style. If anyone remembers Monkey Island, 
Um, and then they went into like these little bits where they had to listen or read, testing reading and listening skills. Yeah. And it was like almost like they were doing a test, but they didn't realize they were doing a yeah. test. It was quite interesting. And she also talked about using the Sims in class as well. Mm-hmm. They, they talked, both of these guys talked about all the games that I play. Yeah. It's basically the games I play are Assassin's Creed and The Sims. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> what I play. So, yeah, enjoy the interview. So we're talking to Ollie Wood and Mary Whiteside at Innovate ELT Conference. Um, hi, guys. How's hi. it going? Hi. <laughs> nice to see you. So nice first, you. if you'd just like to tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, my name is Mary Whiteside. I work for Cambridge Assessment English, and um, I make digital teaching and learning things, games, adaptive materials, courses, that kind of thing. And um, my name is Ollie Wood, and I'm a teacher trainer and content developer based in Italy. Great. So, can you, uh, Mary, can you just give us some reflections on the conference so far? So, it's a really uh, friendly, kind of cosy conference. It's informal, you can drop in and out of sessions. Uh, it's a really good place to network and meet people. So, yeah, like it, it says on, on the bags everywhere, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't really have much more to add there. Loads and loads of lovely people here. Um, particularly nice being a garden attached to a conference mm-hmm. uh, with buckets of free beer. <laughs> That's always good. Where, where's yeah. the free beer? Yeah. Well, it's coming out later. It's coming out later. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact also there are some demo lessons because the learners are here as well, mm-hmm. and it's really you know it's great that the learners are there to you know to, you can hear their voice that they're, they're in the room next to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As Sean said earlier, put your money where your mouth is. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, teaching in front of other it's teachers. Okay. Um, so, Ali, you've given a talk earlier on in the day. Could you give us a little summary of what what it was about? Yeah, I was. Uh, delivering a workshop on the, the benefits and the challenges of using online games in the ELT classroom. Um, so we looked at all of those things and uh, hopefully <laughs> the uh, attendees went away with some good ideas. We definitely did, yeah. Um, lots of ideas about the challenges of bringing games into the class, but also the benefits as well. So yeah, it was really informative. And Mary, you gave a talk earlier today as well, I understand. Yeah, so I was also talking about games and our, our two talks kind of worked together. So Ollie's was very much about the practical, how do you use games in the class, how do you get started. Um, I was looking at some of the research we've done into games, looking at the use of games in ELT and how people are using, you know, lots of different kinds of games and how teachers can start incorporating more games that students use outside the classroom into teaching and learning. So. If you're students like Minecraft, for example, you can make a lesson around uh, making tutorials. So lots and lots of ways you can exploit games in class, and that's my talk. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and... Need a question? What? So what, what other kind of games can you mention Minecraft, Minecraft, but what other kind of games can you use? Apps or... Yeah, so there's there's loads of stuff available. Loads that is free, freely accessible. Teachers are sharing, so you can find apps that practice spelling or vocabulary. Things like the BBC Skillswise has little games that you can practice. Um, if you want to find some examples, we've got some on the Digital Teacher or Common Sense Media. They have lots of um, information about apps that you can use to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, those activities uh, are really useful to help increase motivation and to use them a bit in the class, but 
Also, I was talking about how you can take games that students play outside the class, so things like Minecraft, Sims, uh, World of Warcraft. So these kind of games that aren't traditionally made for language learning, how you can use them in, in a useful, productive way, because they're, they're full of language. So students who like Minecraft will probably be watching hundreds of hours of videos of people talking about Minecraft, and that is full of language. So you can use it in the class by getting your students to watch the videos and make their own. Mm -hmm. Get your students to read a, a how to make a house in Minecraft and explain to you in English how to do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they write about the characters. Maybe there's a different game they like. They choose a character, they design a poster, they explain in English who that character is. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's loads of potential for yeah. you know, really fun stuff that students can do with games that they love doing in English. Great, sounds great. Um, I understand you run a course for teachers. Yeah, absolutely. So free course, a free, free course. course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, based on what uh, Mary's just said, we put together this course. Um, it, it doesn't claim to know everything. It's more of a space for teachers with any level of experience to come in and, and share. Really, mm -hmm. there's guidance along the way. Um, but essentially, at the end of it, no matter where you started, you would have made some progression and certainly feel more comfortable using online games or apps uh, in your lesson. And not just as a warmer or a closer, but as the heart of your lesson, the main content of the lesson. Okay, great. And where can our listeners uh, find out more about this course? Excellent question. <laughs> so they can, they can find this course um, on ELT Jam Academy. Um, it's using online games in ELT. Um, they can also find some lots of activities that we've got around how to use games and other things in their lessons uh, on our site, The Digital Teacher, uh, which reviews apps and then gives an idea saying this is how you can use it in the lesson. Again, it's all free, so uh, yeah, just go and have a look, try it out, try again, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Great, thanks. Brilliant. So the million dollar question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your novice teacher self? You got one, Ali? Yeah, I would... Definitely be uh, you don't know as much as you think you do. <laughs> uh, you know, after I had taught you know, two or three intermediate classes, read English grammar in use, I thought, yeah, that's it. I, I'm an amazing teacher now because I, I know the present perfect. And uh, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And I should have realized that a few years sooner than I, I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Yeah, I think I would I would have said to my novice self, you know, don't be brave, try things out. It might not work, you might not know what it is, but go into the class, try it, tell your students that you're trying it, and then learn and get better. Yeah, be less less afraid of failure. Less afraid of failure, yeah, definitely. Okay. Thanks, thanks very much, guys. It was, um... Yeah, it was great. Thanks a lot. Time Thank for you. free beers in the rain, I think. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. That was Ollie and Mary, and it was a very pleasant conversation. Fun fact, Mary is from Dundee, which is where I went to university, and my family is from just down the road, so yeah. it was, we had a nice chat about that later on. Uh, next up, we have Nicola Meldrum, who is the course director of the Dip Hall at Oxford House. And we had a very interesting conversation with her about the conference. And also we chatted a little bit about the uh, difference, some of the differences between the Diptisol and the Delta that mm -hmm. both Tim and I have done. And it was, um, 
It was really nice. Nice interview. She's yeah, very friendly. Lovely chat. Yeah. Right. Enjoy it. So we're talking to Nicola Meldrum at the Innovate ELT conference. So Nicola, how is the conference going so far? Are you enjoying it? I am. Um, I like this conference most because it includes learners and one of the best sessions I've seen so far is Sean's this morning where he did a listening lesson with some learners and then we interviewed them afterwards. Well, that sounds a bit formal. We chatted to them afterwards about the experience. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun as is in the title of the conference. <laughs> <laughs> And you've done a drop-in session today. Yeah, it's just finished. It was a drop-in session uh, to give information about the Trinity Dip TESOL that we run at Oxford TEFL. I'm the course director, so I wanted to kind of um, let people know a little bit more about the course. And it's a co it's course for experienced teachers, isn't it? Yeah, you need uh, to have been teaching for two years minimum full-time, um, ideally with a CELTA or sort of TESOL or some sort of equivalent um, qualification. Um, and we were talking about, both Tim and I have done the, the Delta, when we were talking about some of the differences. What, what do you think was one of the advantages of doing the Dipti Soul? Um, when I interview people for the Dipti so they say that they've chosen it because of the focus on pronunciation, chosen over the Delta, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one of the benefits, is that it really helps you to integrate pronunciation into your teaching more effectively and consistently. Um, also, they say that um, the assessment is slightly more... Um, how can I say this? A bit more humanistic in a way. Um, it's very much more focused on the practical application of things than um, theory. So that's two differences. And then another um, difference is what we spoke about earlier is the focus on uh, action research and how that's a bit more open and the candidates can choose what they do for the three action research projects that they complete. Mm -hmm. Which is quite, it's quite, a, is it quite an extensive piece of work then? There are three short um, pieces, or there are 3,000 words each, so they're quite bite-sized, um, so the, the, the focus has to be very narrow, mm -hmm. um, but they do involve, each two of the projects involve about 10 hours of classroom time. The third one's um, more open, and it can be done through um, a survey or questionnaire or interviews, so it really depends on the type of research that the people do in that third project, which determines how many hours in total they spend on that unit. And you mentioned a blog that you write? Yes, I write a, a blog on, um, it's called teachpronunciation.blog. And so the name uh, gives, the, gives the topic away. I write it with a, a friend and colleague called Mark McKinnon, who's a tutor on the Dip TESOL here, and we've worked together for years. So we started writing this blog about a year and a half ago, just after years and years and years of passing on ideas about teaching pronunciation, we decided to start this blog. So going really well and we've done some team teaching, teaching pronunciation and getting feedback from learners. We just spoke at IETEFL about it. Um, yeah, really enjoying it. It's good. What's the name of the blog again? Teachpronunciation.blog. We'll link somewhere. Yeah, we'll add it into the description of the episode. Um, yeah, I went to a session with Mark uh, a few months ago where he did some decoding have some Glaswegian. It was yes. really, really good. Drilled some Ouija. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the million dollar question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your novice teacher self? It's a very good question. I think it would be to um, spend more time thinking about the feedback that I do in class, responding to learners. Um, needs and kind of listening more and not worrying so much about the input that I'm going to be teaching that day and the grammar that I'm going to be teaching that day and, and doing lots and lots of input activities and spend more time responding 
and listening and, and honing how I do that and thinking more about why I'm feeding back on that, how I'm doing it, and how that might benefit them. Okay. You said you'd written a blog post on that. Yes, yeah. That's what kind of, yeah, coming up with this idea of when you're planning lessons, really to focus on the feedback um, and give it equal importance to the input that you're teaching that day. So it's, it's on the blog, and I think it's called FFP, Feedback Focus Planning. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot for speaking to us. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the conference. You too. So thanks, Nicola. Um, that was a really nice interview. Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and our final interview of the day was with Melody Phillip, friend of the podcast. Um, we were back up in the garden uh, after a couple of vermouths, having a nice little chat with her. <laughs> um, Melody is a teacher and teacher trainer at uh, Oxford House. She gave a talk earlier in the day about reflective practice, um, specifically the importance of reflective practice when it comes to uh, teacher observations. So when uh, experienced teachers or teacher trainers or management observe teachers, um, and then the process of the before, during, and after, and encouraging teachers to reflect on uh, their teaching, and also for the, the trainers or the observers, the importance of them reflecting on the way that they've given feedback or the way that they've observed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, roll the final slightly drunken interview. <laughs> Hello, so we're talking to Melody Phillip. We're at the end of the Innovate ELT conference. Um, what's your reaction been to the conference so far? Have you had a good time? I've had a really good time. I think what's really hit me this year in relation to other years is, is there seems to be a sense of people relaxing a bit and networking a lot and really kind of doing what we do best, which is kind of learning from each other um, and also the quality of the talks, really interesting talks. I've been to a couple myself and the quality and the kind of innovation and the kind of interest that people have been generating is kind of creating a buzz. Uh, I think the, the topic and the titles have been good for that as well. People are talking about what is fun, uh, is rather than just accepting this is okay or this is not okay, and too much struggle because learning a language, uh, teaching language, teaching training teachers can be a, a struggle in, in the conceptual sense. So I think that. Um, each year, it feels like each conference gets a bit more relaxed within, in itself and people kind of like gel a bit more and kind of get used to the fact this is not your average kind of conference. It's yeah. a bit alternative. It's a bit like down and dirty. Let's get on with it. Let's, we're teachers, you know, and we're teacher trainers, we're ELT professionals. Let, let's kind of use some time to stand a minute and, and kind of assess and take stock. Yeah. Definitely. It's definitely that sort of vibe that we picked up on as well. Like, very relaxed. Lots of everybody thrown in together, everybody mixing, everybody... Yeah, and also the intimacy. Yeah, I think yeah. the word is intimacy. Intimacy, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Because it's you know, still small. And, and yeah. the garden and, and the kind of, like, sense of, like, people coming. And the kind of people that are attracted seem to be the ones who want to take risks. Yeah. They want to try new things. Uh, it may work, may not work. It's avant-garde a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like they said about the punk mosh pit, you know, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that's how it is, and and that's why people come. They want to try new things. They want to talk to other people about trying new things. They want to see other people try new things and yeah. taking risks. Because at the end of the day, we ask our students to take risks every day. So. So. Just to clarify, the punk mosh pit is uh, was talked about as being, you know, kind of the independent alternative. We are the alternative 
English conference and that we are the punk of the English ELT conference world. That was Rebels. the, that was the uh, reference in um, plenary speak. Mm-hmm. So you gave a talk earlier on today. Could you give us a brief summary? Yeah, sure. It's about, about um, teacher observation uh, within the prism of storytelling and reflective practice. So I'm doing some research at the moment as part of my dip TESOL, uh, where it's looking at te- the sort of chestnut of teacher observation, but trying to look at it from a different angle and looking at uh, reflective practice coming from the teacher. So the teacher identifies the areas they want to develop in. The observation is done on that principle, but also an idea of a flow of reflective practice. So BDA, before, during and after, uh, which is not particularly reinventing the wheel or anything particularly new in, 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 in theory, but I get the sense from the research I've done so far that it's not done in practice very much. And so I'm trying to look at two things. One is this flow, reflective practice, but also can we connect it to CPD or continuing professional development as a year-long, as an ongoing process? Um, and so that people can um, reflect, really. And in the session, I tried to get people to actually stop for a minute uh, and reflect on where they're at right now as individual practitioners, whether they're, whether they're observing people or being observed or where, whatever stage they're at in their career. I don't think we always get the chance to really reflect on where we are, what we're doing, uh, and take a moment to actually look at the quality of that and the, and the reflectiveness, the, the potential, really. I think there's a lot of potential. I talked about um, Kolb's experiential learning uh, cycle and Vygotsky's zone of proximal development. And I think these are very key theories underpinning my research. Um, and I think the takeaway is about, um, it's quite interesting because afterwards, sort of almost in private, teachers were asking me a little bit about, well, and we talked a bit in the session, touched on this, that the tension between quality control and yeah. reflective practice, which is always going to be there. So I feel a little bit like my talk was meant to be within the kind of idea of a, a, a punk idea in terms of alternative uh, ideas and taking risks within Innovate. I don't want to just look at it from the same point of view. It's like, okay, yes, it is attention. The reality, especially in pre-service training and in-service training, and even uh, later on, there is a tension between uh, assessment and reflective practice. But I think we can do better. It's a bit like referencing Scott's talk just now. We can challenge ourselves to do better, I think. Yeah. And we can do, uh, make a better sort of job of reflecting on what we do as an observer and observee, so that we're all parties are, are reflecting. Yeah. Not just, I'm doing this for the sake of ticking a box, you have to do X, and I tell you what you have to do. But also, yeah. part, part of a wider... Uh, we talk about CPD a lot, and we talk mm-hmm. about hashtag CPD and throw away remarks, but actually it means something. Uh, people who come to a conference like this want to learn, they want to develop. They're not, they don't want to stand still. Uh, they want to learn from that. Yeah. I think it's definitely something that, I think, if you come to conferences, you're... You're definitely open to that already, and I think that there's more of an, uh, an aura around around this one even more. You just you want to push push the boundaries a little bit further and question things. Mm-hmm. And that's the takeaway, really. I guess you talked about takeaways. Is uh, two things in my session was about one is about the actual research I'm doing and having a look at that, but also as an individual practitioner, taking away in the moment, getting a moment in conferences like this is a typical time when people just stop from it. That's one of the reasons people like coming. 
okay, let me assess where I'm at and reflect on where I am, where I'm going, what do yeah. I want to achieve between now and next year. And meet other people in similar or in, in different places on the same path. Like to me, I was in a group with Dirk. We spoke to Dirk earlier and then we were putting our place, our, ourselves on the continuum, like how reflective are we as teachers? Yeah. And Dirk was like, I'm a 10. Because yeah. we spoke to him earlier today about like how much reflection he does. And it's great to see people who are like that and can give you their ideas and can... Um, it's really inspiring. Like you said, that ties into the idea of this conference being much more everyone together, much more open. and Yeah, and I think also like, inspiring each other, like you said. I mean, I'm a probably a nine most of the time. Mm. Uh, that's, I that's said there was a four. That <laughs> <laughs> should be higher. I'm like a so I think that it's like a private thing and it's a shared thing and it's like I think I believe a lot from my experience of being a prof professional therapist yeah. before is about not, not uh, naming and sort of challenging but not shaming as it's called mm -hmm. so we're challenging ourselves but not shaming each other which I think yeah. uh, there's a lot of competition which isn't always talked about in ELT mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be like, if we, you can't control other people, but you can um, challenge yourself. You can, yeah. okay, so I'm this, but I want to, why am I not this? And I'm a this number or whatever. What can help me achieve yeah. that? And other people can help you do that as well. Definitely. Yeah, right. by inspiring you or challenging you. Right, let's, let's ask the million dollar question. The million dollar question. I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give to you, your novice teacher self? I think I would probably give myself the advice that a mentoring system is a really good system. Uh, I felt flailing, <laughs> alone, uh, very, I had very high standards, I didn't always know how to achieve them. I felt quite uh, professionally isolated. I worked in Tarragona as well. Then I moved well, to, back to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I, I studied here originally at IH Barcelona and then did my diptys all at um, Oxford Tefl. I think that I, I, would have, I would have liked to have had more of a, a mentor kind of buddying system. Somebody who really was interested in reflective practice, who really was genuinely interested in development in a general sense. Uh, those moments when I've spent five hours planning this one hour lesson and it was rubbish and you go home disheartened and wondering why you're doing it. And then there's other moments where you spend 20 minutes planning a lesson and it was the most awesomest lesson you've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. You also you want somebody to go, exactly, and you also want someone to go and, and share that with and talk about that with, yeah. who isn't necessarily your DOS, who is a not a line manager, yeah. who's a yeah. mentor. And that's why I talked last year about at Trinity in London about mentoring schemes. So like kind of like peer, like like as in like just like um someone who's like a bit more experienced, more just a bit more experienced. Just yeah, a I bit, think that's it's, important. A, it's back to Z ZPD. I'm a big believer in it. Just someone who's a bit further along. What's just a clarification? What's ZPD? A zone of proximal development by Rogotsky, who believes that we're challenging ourselves. Just it, the, the the difficult thing. Saying what it is is easy. Doing it is a is another thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also just challenging ourselves to to push ourselves a little bit further mm -hmm. but people who have more experience kind of who are really genuinely interested in that are going to help people who are new I've been doing this observation project and research and one of the things that came a lot was people valuing someone more experienced but non-judgmental within reflective practice within a research project mm -hmm. giving them feedback saying okay try this have you thought about this 
feeling like, okay, well, I'll go and try this. And I think that I would have loved that. I would have loved to have had a, had a mentor. Um, I think it's quite difficult to go back and say, what could I have done for myself? I think really and truly that's a really hard one because yeah. you're in the moment at that time and you don't have anything else to reference it against. But I think that a mental system... Uh, because they get I'm a great believer in any process that two parties get something from it so the mentor gets something and, and you get something um, if I had to give advice to myself it would have been not to have taken it quite so seriously <laughs> I think you're absolutely right yeah <laughs> it's good, good advice to end on yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks very much Melody that was brilliant and thanks for coming back for your second time on the podcast absolute pleasure the first return guest that has made me very excited it's one of the highlights of my day brilliant let's have another vermouth to celebrate let's do it (laughs) okay thanks a lot melody that's it that's it that's that's all the interviews we did yeah it was a busy day it was a really busy day yeah uh, and we have to say thank you so much to Innovate ELT. That was the, the conference and ELT Jam and Oxford House. That was a really brilliant experience mm-hmm. all round. Fantastic opportunity. And thanks to all of the people that we interviewed Scott, Melody, Sean, Nicola, Ollie, Mary, Dirk, and Joe as well. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, we, we really enjoyed it. Yeah, everyone was really lovely and very welcoming and willing to give up their time. I hope to go back next year. Yeah, hopefully. See you next year. Yeah. Hopefully. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, We'd like to say thanks to our wonderful sound producer, Ben Ward, for all his hard work editing and recording the show. Um, To Mark Wilding, who made our artwork and branding. To Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Malena, and our own Katie Wright for singing the jingles. And obviously the presenters, uh, Katie Wright, the wonderful Katie Wright and myself Um, if you've enjoyed the show uh, leave a comment on the Facebook page or the other social medias and share 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 the link okay get out to as many people as possible so thanks to all our guests this week and tune in next time welcome to the podcast two teas in a pod welcome to the podcast welcome to the podcast two teas in a pod